Hello and welcome to Fraggle Talk Classic, the unofficial Fraggle Rock podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. My name is Beth and I am re-watching for the millionth time. My name is Julia and I'm watching for the first time after 10 years. My name is Adam and I'm watching it for entirely the first time. We're watching episode 5, or what we're talking about episode 5, which is the 30-minute work week, which, very timely time to be watching an episode about a 30-minute work week. I think we're up to 290 unionized Starbucks. Heck yes! Oh, that's great news. So, an interesting thing about this episode is that it was not intended to be the pilot, but it was the first episode that was produced. Oh, that's right. Interesting. Yeah, they wanted to give themselves time to, you know, take a shot at it, figure out how all of these pieces that they're bringing together are actually going to work in real life and then take a look back and figure out what they needed to tweak and adjust before uh, before producing the actual pilot. Hmm. So it's kind of like pilot 2.0. Mm-hmm. You know, we get a decent introduction to the world. We get a decent introduction to the characters. Yeah, we do. But if you see if you see some visual inconsistencies between this episode and the others, that is why. I could see how that like this wouldn't necessarily serve as the pilot because it doesn't it it doesn't properly introduce us to everybody. But at the same time, it does like give like the Fraggles are kind of defined by the jobs that they do. We get to see them go into the Gorg's Garden. You know, there there is like almost an introduction element to it, although. It does. It does still treat them kind of like we we've seen them, you know, for a handful of episodes still. But it, I, I guess it does like a really decent job introducing us maybe to the world that they're living in. I would say. Yeah, it does. I definitely like the idea of going through each Fraggle's job as a way of sort of giving us a view of a the Fraggle themselves and b the community structure that they've built. Definitely. That as just sort of a literary technique for world building worked really well for me, and I can see why they would pick that as like part of an introductory episode. I really enjoyed getting a chance to look at what the structure of just labor in this society was like. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. Me too. Um, Before we dive into that, we should touch base on Doc and Sprocket. What are they up to? Uh, Well, for once, Doc is not treating Sprocket badly, which (laughs) good for you, Doc. Although I don't think donuts are good for dogs. As someone who works with dogs for a living, you are not supposed to give dogs fried dough, fried like baked goods or anything like that. <laughs> I I at least see the like intention to try to be kind behind it, and I'll give him credit for that. But don't give guys, g- listeners, listener, listeners. Maybe we've got two now. Don't <laughs> don't give donuts to dogs or soup. Soup. I mean, maybe there are some soups out there that are dog friendly more so than donuts. But like, soup is a weird one to also feed to dogs. I, well, so here's the other thing, and I have this in my notes for later because this does happen later, but like he offers him a choice between split pea soup and chicken soup. Don't give your dogs vegetables. They're carnivores. No, just give them the you, chicken soup, Doc. This is, this is now a side tangent. You can give some veggies to dogs, like carrots can be good for dogs. Um, I think corn also maybe. Um, no. There, there are some veggies that are good for dogs. Dogs can have an omnivore diet and be great, but you should definitely be giving them meat because they need meat in their diets. Cool. This has been How to Take Care of Your Dog <laughs> with Fraggle Talk. Yes, always. So before we get to the, the donuts and the soup, mm-hmm. Doc, we, we start with Doc yelling out the door, the printing press is in the front yard because there was no room in the bathroom after I installed the drill press. <laughs> and oh my God, if that isn't a mood for all artists and crafters and mm-hmm. creative types and neurodivergence. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also love that he's, like, complaining about the neighbor, and he's like, you can barely even see it past the pile of violas. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> I will confess, I, in my dresser full of craft supplies that I have neatly organized into different categories of craft supplies, you know, there's the, mm -hmm. the fiber art crafts, so yarn and embroidery floss, all that stuff. There's a whole thing of fabric. And then there's one drawer that is just empty containers mm -hmm. because I swear I'm going to use them someday for something and some of them do end up being useful and I use them and that it is enough to convince me to keep collecting empty containers oh yeah mm-hmm yeah there's a tweet going around that was uh hey I don't know who needs to hear this but that box that your phone came in you can just get rid of it I don't, <laughs> it doesn't matter that it's a really good box you're not going to use it and I was like hey 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 now. listen buddy I didn't ask for you to come for me like that I do appreciate that the uh, the theme that gets set up is he he you know is offering Sprocket a choice and Sprocket's having a really difficult time choosing, and then Wembley gets offered a choice and Wembley's also having a very difficult time choosing and just like as a bisexual, just <laughs> I really resonated with this episode. Absolutely, that's legit. Yeah, I don't know if that's kosher to leave in the podcast, but it, it, it's in my notes that I wanted. You, we can cut it for time if we need to. Oh yeah, no, something that we we had to cut for time previously was a brief discussion of should we just adopt Wembley as the mascot of bisexuals everywhere. Oh, yeah, I forgot that we had that discussion. Yeah. We should, though. We really <laughs> should. Uh, I, I literally have my notes. As, I have him as a Wembley can't even walk because he can't make up his mind which foot to use first confirmed <laughs> bisexual. Yep. And I just, this was something that I, I pointed out in, I also, um, in the Fraggle Rock 40 Years Later reviews that we've been doing mm -hmm. for Tough Pigs, I was reviewing this episode and I picked out the lines Booper says, oh, hello, Wembley, how are you? And Wembley says, don't ask me questions. <laughs> I feel that so deeply. <laughs> I missed that one. That's really good. So we get to see Sprocket paralyzed by indecision, and then we pivot over to Wembley paralyzed by indecision, but he's paralyzed by indecision about specifically what job he's going to do. Yes. And I really like this segment because we get to see how work is framed in their society and we get to see that each of like they each get to pick a thing that suits them and still serves the community which just as a structure for looking at work in a utopian society i'm really here for that i'm really here for that plus they only work for 30 minutes a week like the dream y'all absolutely right please i mean if you please. live in a society where all of your basic needs are met by everyone working 30 minutes a week? Yeah, you've done it. Then yeah, you can spend the rest of the week mm -hmm. singing and swimming and balancing a pickle on your nose. Also, some of their jobs, Red's job is to dive into the water to keep it clean. That's that's what she has to do for 30 minutes a week. I mean, I imagine that she's actually doing some swimming around and cleaning, which is a really great explanation for why she's so familiar with the water. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's because of the newer Fraggle Rock series that I have, like, this image that she's just, like, cannonballing into the water over and over again and getting, like, all the filth out somehow in her mind. <laughs> Possibly. That was something that we, uh, when I was a guest on Habawa, we were speculating on how is Red keeping the water clean? And Becca proposed that her pigtails are, like, brushing up the, the rocks and, like, cleaning away the the pond scum and everything. Oh, I, I do remember that in that episode. 
Oh, fun fact. That specific term for water treatment and removal of particulate matter is called adsorption. It does not rely on a filtration system. It relies on the surface area of the thing that you are moving through the water. Facts. What? Boom. Science facts. I love it. Walk into my other area of expertise. (laughs) And I was speculating that maybe the the diving and the splashing is like aerating the water, like oxygenating it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also Also a thing, yeah. Yeah. And correct use of the term aeration. Nicely done. Nice. So that is Red's job. Gobo, he says that his job is to go and collect the postcards from Uncle Traveling Matt, which raises the question, did he not have a job prior to episode one or was his job something else? Because in the song that we're going to hear later, uh, he talks about, you know, his job is exploring. Mm -hmm. And so now it seems to be a specific part of his job to go and get the postcards. Maybe he got a pivot that would when, make sense. when Uncle Matt, maybe he took over Uncle Matt's job. Maybe Uncle Matt was like the explorer for the Fraggles and oh. now he's doing his own thing. And so yeah. Gobo took his, you know, yeah, we don't, we never, we don't find out like if they're allowed to like switch jobs during, you know, their lives or if they're, they're stuck doing the same thing. Yeah. I also just really like, what's the, the grumpy one with the hat over his eyes? Uber. Name again? Uber. Boober. I love that Boober's like, no, I like my job. It's boring and repetitive. And I was like, ha ha. Yes. I feel this. His amazing line, tedium and drudgery are good for the soul. Mm-hmm. I wrote that quote down. It's very good. And I, I get it. To him, it's like what everyone else calls boring. That's where he finds his flow state. It's like a meditative thing for him. Very neurodivergent. Exactly. <laughs> I I love data entry into spreadsheets because it's that same kind of thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sing a song. I I really enjoyed the pr- chord progression on the chorus of this song. That's sort of the the walking up and then walking down again. That was really fun. But the the th- the next thing I have in my notes is a spotlight. It's just a tiny little detail. Uh, Wembley is talking to Moki and he's like, well, what do you do? And she's like, I collect radishes. <laughs> and there's this beautiful little self-satisfied head wiggle that she does <laughs> that feels like, like a, almost like a little hat tilt to that old school head wiggle that what's his name? The animator used to do the guy it's in like the original Robin Hood and in a bunch of other stuff. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know who the animator would be. Yeah. I just the that little little detail thing is just ugh, their attention to detail in this is fantastic. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate so Wembley's got this moment of like, well, where do you get the radishes from? The, the Gorg's garden, of course. And wait a minute, isn't that where the Gorgs live? And so of course Wembley would know all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But if we're treating it as, you know, pilot two point then it's you know, you've got to like walk the audience through it a little bit more, you know, so Wembley's kind of got to speak for the audience of like, oh, he's he's letting us know there are gorgs in the garden. And that's a thing that we're going to be introduced to in just a second. That's yeah, that's true. It's plot exposition. It has to go somewhere. <laughs> so we cut to the gorgs and we see Junior doing the marching thing and just the bit where he's like, sound off one killed me. <laughs> Absolutely killed me. It's so good. And then they do a little who's on first. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you picked up on that. That was exactly what I called it. Yeah. I I wrote some real who's on first humor going on in the Gorg's garden. Mm -hmm. Made me very happy. Yeah. It's a a great way to establish that the Gorgs are self-important, but don't actually wield any real power. Mm -hmm. Like they're talking about like, oh, the password and, you know, 
they're guarding the castle, but they're they're not actually guarding anything. Nothing's gonna go mm-hmm. wrong if Pa gets the password wrong. Mm-hmm. Yield confidence, but not competence. Mm. There's a really cool editing thing they do as Wimbly and Moki are walking through the garden, and they're clearly walking in front of a green screen, and the camera pivots around them. Mm-hmm. It definitely, like, makes it clear that there's a green screen, but it's also this really cool, very, it's like, low-budget way to imply that they're, like, moving through three-dimensional space. And I thought that was really cool and very well done. And then they even have, like, some radishes and bushes in the foreground. Yeah, they... The use of the green screen, like, and then, like, cutting back and forth between the shot of them at the green screen and then cutting to the set of them actually being in the Gorg's garden with, like, the tinier version of the Fraggles is, it's, for the time that, like, it was made, it's very seamless and it's, you know, Mm -hmm. very just genius. Yeah, really well put together. So it's worth noting when we're tracking interspecies relationships that at this point, the Gorgs are still treating the Fraggles like almost like a pest species, like mm-hmm. rats or something, because they're, they're going into their garden and stealing their radishes. Mm-hmm. And then the Fraggles, for the most part, are kind of terrified of the Gorgs, but then Moki has this amazing moment of not giving to... Hex. Hex, thank you. <laughs> you know, Junior tries to, to pounce on them, she goes, you almost hurt Wembley, and just bonks Junior on the nose with the radish and walks calmly away. Mm-hmm. I actually, I had some thought about that. Have we ever seen at this point Moki be an actual danger from the Gorgs? Is that a thing that we've seen? I remember at one point one of them got kidnapped by the Gorgs, mm. but I remember which I think one it was, was. Wasn't that Wembley? It was Wembley, and at the time, Wembley didn't think he was kidnapped. He was like going voluntarily. Gotcha. But then when the rest of them got kidnapped. Okay. So so she was kept in a cage for a while, but I guess it depends on her personal definition of being in danger. Yeah, because it definitely read for me like the vibe of like a very privileged person who's never actually been at risk of a thing downplaying the very real risk, oh. but having the confidence there just sort of carry them through. That's an interesting thing. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Because, like, the body language and the way she responds, she very clearly doesn't see, feel like she's in any actual danger. Mm-hmm. And she very much is. Junior is large. <laughs> yeah, at this point, Wembley has already been captured and realized that the Gorgs actually do pose a very real threat to them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe that message got through to him more strongly than it did to her. Which tracks from Moki's character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> More on that next episode. Yeah, I had that thought. Yup. Mm-hmm. Right, do you want to intro the uh, the traveling mat section? I there is such a good burn that Red gives Gobo when he asks her if he if she wants to hear the postcard, and she responds, "Certainly, read it to me. I love fiction. <laughs> it's just very good." Yeah, and so in this in this Uncle Traveling Matt postcard, he is going on a roller coaster, and it's one of my favorite Traveling Matt bits, and most people who, who are familiar with the Muppets on any deep level will know that the man sitting next to Matt on the roller coaster is, in fact, Dave Goles, who is Matt's 
puppeteer. Um, mm-hmm. And you can tell, like, looking at them on the coaster that the arm that's behind Matt is so fake because mm-hmm. Dave's real arm is, like, controlling Matt, the puppet. Mm-hmm. And, it and like, also the shot of them on the roller coaster, everyone behind them on the roller coaster is, like, screaming. They're, like, hands are in the air. And then there's Dave Gold just sitting there looking so stoic because he's got to <laughs> focus on controlling this puppet next to him um, mm-hmm. with, like, a straight face on. And it's it's so good. And it's just it's a lot of fun. There's there's a lot of really interesting stuff that adds to the seams to that, but there's also a lot of silliness. Like his like chest and abdomen are lumpy yeah. as all get out. It looks like he's smuggling a sack of potatoes. <laughs> um and I definitely at first was like, Sir, do you know this Muppet? You're being very familiar. And then I was like, Oh, that's the puppeteer. And then I realized, oh, they got a Muppet on a roller coaster. That's impressive, even though there is that one shot when they're going down a slope and his body looks so uncanny valley. Like, <laughs> they got a puppet on a roller coaster. I'm not going to judge too hard. And my favorite, again, I love the little details in this show. My favorite little detail is at the end when it pulls in, there's a shot of him starting to get up. Which, like, obviously he can't get all the way up, but they have just the shot of him starting to get up to really complete the illusion. Mm-hmm. And, oh, God, just the little details. Seamless, seamless world building. It's very, very good. Um, what I love about the... At first, this this clip seems to have absolutely nothing to do with the theme of the rest of the episode, but they, they work mm-hmm. in in Matt's voiceover. He says, Exploring outer space is hard. So hard, in fact, that sometimes I wonder if I've chosen the right job. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah. Turns out the thing you love to do can be really hard and make you question your life decisions, mm-hmm. even if you still love to do it. Yeah, legit. Yup. I also wrote down, like, I wonder how many times Dave Goals had to go on this roller coaster to film this show. <laughs> they, pro- they probably got it in, like, a couple, but pro- at least more than once. You would think. I'd be real impressed if they got it in one. Yeah. Can you imagine being the extra there and just being like, oh, what'd you do? Oh, I got paid to ride a roller coaster behind a puppeteer and a puppet. Multiple times, yeah. Like eight times. Great day's work. Good day of work, as long as you like roller coasters. That's fair. I really love that he's the stoic writer. I I have a picture of... um, I went to Disneyland with my best friend and her family, and... We've got this great shot of us on Splash Mountain where we're all mm-hmm. screaming and her brother is just giving this extremely bored look mm. because he knows the moment the picture is being taken. Ha. That's good. See, I always just wind up feeling very serene on roller coasters if I'm not yelling. I'm just like, ha ha, motion. <laughs> Glorious. Oh, that's impressive. So after the traveling mat section, we cut over to... And what's... What's the name of the one who decides to get really tough? He's one of the main ones. Oh, Gobo. 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 Gobo's like, I'm going to get really tough on him to force him to make a decision. And can I just say, every teacher bone in my body activated. And I was like, sir, that is not how this works. Not at all. I was trying real hard in my review not to talk in all caps because it's uh, it's equivalent to yelling and and it's not professional. But this was the line in all caps where Mm -hmm. I said, Gobo, this is a bad motivation strategy and a bad friendship move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he tells Wembley, I don't pal around with wishy-washy fraggles. And I wrote some profanity after that in my notes. But basically, Gobo's a jerk in this moment. It's a bad move, yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that they are building in to this, like, 
explanation to children about labor's place in society, the understanding that, that yeah, there are people who will isolate you if you do not work. Society has mechanisms mm. in place to isolate and shame you if you do not work. And that is a really heavy topic that is very real and doesn't often get explained to kids and should. And I also appreciate that they chose to blunt that harsh message with just a really slick joke about... <laughs> yeah. Wembley being like, well, I guess I'm going to pack my things. And Gobo being like, it won't take long. You've only got one spare shirt. Wembley being like, well, I guess I'm going to pack my thing. It's such a good joke yeah. after such a heartbreaking moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's also a great joke that is also a little heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I'll go pack my thing. It's one thing. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't take away from the message. It just blunts it just a little bit so the kids can be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, along with, like, this episode feeling like this is, like, a system we've all been ingrained in. Also, just, like, people in our lives are also bought into, like, you know, when, when Gobo says, um, what does he say? Everybody has to choose. Like, I feel like that's just an expectation we were raised with and what we, like, expect upon ourselves and also, like, other people. And we, like, not everybody, but, you know, a lot of times people will judge others if they don't, like, have a job or they don't, like, have a, a normal-sounding job. And I don't know, I feel like Gobo embodies that, at least at this point in the entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. So Wembley decides, alrighty, we're going to go to the trash heap. And I love that we get to see the, the rats just, like, hanging out before Wembley gets there. They're playing Go Fish with these teeny tiny little cards. Yeah. It's so good trash heap emerging from flatness is still one of my favorite transitions ever yep and there's a little detail in here that's a little bit terrifying one of the rats she the trash heap says something and one of the rats is like she's right this must be one of her good days yep. which is terrifying because that means that she has bad days as mm -hmm. an oracle she gets things wrong Meaning like, what what is happening on her bad days when she's giving bad advice do we see those well, I think that's going to be something we can maybe judge for ourselves over the course of time of when we think her advice is, is good or not. Mm. I think most of the time it is, but I can think of one or two specific instances that I'm like, mm, Fair. is there more there that I'm not seeing or is that just unhelpful? Yeah. Duly noted. I did feel a little cheated that we didn't get a song from the Trash Sheep because the Trash Sheep songs always slap. Yeah. We only get two songs this episode, is that right? Yes. We got the the work song and then the, is it Fireman's Anthem? Yeah, or... the, the Firefighter's That's Anthem, it, yeah. 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 I love the little mechanical rig when Wembley is running. Oh, yes. So Wembley goes to the trash heap for advice. She suggests all of these various jobs that he might be able to do. Uh, she suggests an accountant or a farmer or a shoe salesman. Do Fraggles even know what shoes are? I don't, no idea. I don't How can they be a salesman so. if they don't have money? <laughs> yeah. Or even a prime minister. It's like, Fraggles don't know what any of these things are. They probably know what a farmer is, and that's about it. Yeah, for when they said prime minister, I wrote down, this show is definitely filmed in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when Marjorie suggests that Wembley could be a fireman with the bells and the ladders and the hoses. And Wembley continues, oh, and the red suspenders and the sirens and the axes and the hats. Oh, I'd love to be a fireman. Oh, but that's not work. It's too much fun. Mm-hmm. Because work can't be fun. And my first thought was, I'll bet every single person who got to work on this show had that same thought. 
Ooh. Am I at work right now? This is too much fun. Ooh, that's a really good parallel. Um, so Wembley heads back and goes to the job interview. Can we also just talk about the fact that Boober is like saying Wembley will explode with stress? Yeah. Oh man, that scene. I feel like I wrote that all down. He said, "Like he's, you're gonna get so nervous, he'll blow up and then blow up as it explode. That's what's going to. That's what you're going to do. Kablam! Fingers in the ears and like." It's very dark, which is on par for Boober, but, you know. Yeah. Projecting a little. I'm trying to figure out what that serves in the narrative, and I get, I like, I'm having a hard time pinning it down. Yeah, it's very, like, there's a lot of doubt in there when, like, usually when I think of Fraggle Rock, I think of, like, you know, often they have to, like, overcome some of some things that they're dealing with or some beliefs they have, but normally they're pretty uplifting of their friends. And that one was just like, nope, you're going to fail and you're going to explode and you're going to die. Mm-hmm. For me, I think the the purpose it served, because Webley goes from being really excited about, about being a fireman to suddenly being worried because he's like, oh, wait, I can't be a fireman. I don't even know how to start a fire, which is the, the running mm-hmm. gag of the mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Which I love that they have Doc just like grind that joke into the ground at the end of it. Oh, yes. You were saying? Yeah. So when, so Wembley is about to basically go in for a job interview, essentially. He's approaching the other firefighters to, to ask if he can be one of them. And so now mm-hmm. at this point, he's nervous. And then Boober, I think his, his talk about exploding is kind of amping up that tension. Mm-hmm. So the contrast between Sprocket's inability to choose and Wembley's inability to choose is that Sprocket's decision has no bearing. He's just trying to choose between two different kinds of donuts. And oh man, do I get it. Like, take me out to a restaurant and watch how long I stare at the menu. Like, this this decision is completely inconsequential and I still can't make it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Wembley's decision is very consequential. It's a big decision. And so he's feeling the weight of that. And then the <laughs> the emotional roller coaster, if you will, of going from not knowing what to do, to then suddenly having this wonderful moment of possibility, to then the terror of not being able to do that thing. I think that's what Boober's talk of exploding is doing in this moment, is amping up that fear of, oh, well, I finally found the thing I want to do. What if I can't do it? Oof. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I also, can I just say, I wish job interviews were that easy. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. Wembley gets asked, do you like to wear hats and climb ladders? What are your feelings about bells and sirens? And how do you start a fire? Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, he answers, I don't know. And that's the right answer. Yeah. Oh, that would be nice if you could just say, I don't know, in a job interview. And they're just like, great, A+. plus. You got the job. Neither do we. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, that's a big millennial skill. The answer is, I don't know, but I know how to find out. Yeah. Yep. I know how to Google it and search through the results to find <laughs> the useful answers and then figure out how to do the thing that five minutes ago I didn't know how to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I know how to fake it for long enough until I do figure out how to do it. Yep. <laughs> yep. But yeah, overall, this episode really frames, like, there's no one has useless work, which is the thing that I really appreciated. Work is very clearly framed as like, yeah, you're doing something for the community and it can be fun, and different people have different things that they excel at and enjoy. And I thought that was really artful. Yeah. If you're going to make a show to promote world peace, why not make it a utopia with, you know, mm-hmm. no capitalism? Yeah. Please. 
please? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, to pull the, the curtain back a little bit, I watched this episode a while back because we were supposed to do this episode a while ago. And I f- in my notes from when I first watched it, I had like a, a lot I'd written about like, oh, capitalism is so bad. You know, and and all of that jazz. And then, like, in rewatching it this time, I did have a lot more of that, like, oh, these are jobs that they very much enjoy, and it adds to the community, and they're also not being, like, overworked. They're doing it for, like, a short amount of time every week, and they get to live their lives, but they still get to contribute. And so, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I do think it does add to Jim's, like, overall want of showing, you know, yeah, world peace and this nice utopian community and how, like, we should probably treat careers a bit more. I really like Moki has that one line. She's like, oh, I love my job. Sometimes I put even one, maybe two minutes of overtime. Mm-hmm. Yes. Please. Please. For the world, please. And so I'm not going to give all the details because it, it it doesn't contain spoilers if you've seen Fraggle Rock before. But if, like Adam, you're watching for the first time, there's, I would say, some spoilers as to how the whole world of Fraggle Rock fits together. But our fellow... Tough Pigs writer JD wrote this great article on the economics of the world of Fraggle Rock, and it is very insightful and good and funny. Glorious. And then we just get this great moment of Wembley running around making this impeccable fire engine siren sound and just living his best life. I did have the thought of like, I was like, Steve's really good at doing this siren noise. I wonder if like they knew he could make this noise and they're like, we got to find some way to get Steve to do his impression of a siren on Fraggle Rock. We'll make Wembley be the bell for their firefighters in the rock. Also, have we ever seen any fires in Fraggle Rock? Does that, I don't know if this is a spoiler for the future, but I can't remember if that does come up. I mean, none of them know how to start fires. I mean, there is that, yeah. But do they know how to put a fire out, I guess, is the real question. So in the in the little cave that Gobo and Wembley share, mm-hmm. they do have a little nook with a fire. Mm-hmm. I believe that is the only fire we see okay. in the series. Rad. Yeah, I couldn't remember if the element of Wembley being a firefighter comes back in the future, I guess, is more what I was like trying to remember. Unfortunately not. Yeah. I would love to see the, the firefighters again, but I don't think they come back. Also, Beth, remind me, is there like a reference? I feel like there's a reference to the 30-minute work week in the newer series. Am I making that up? So, uh, without giving yeah. spoilers, I believe they all have the same jobs okay. in, in Back to the Rock. Yeah. With, with slight twists. Like, red... Uh, like, I... I don't think this is a spoiler. Red is like a, a lifeguard. Lifeguard, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like saying like, oh man, I'm exhausted. It's a lot of work, you know, looking around the pool going, you have more fun. That's <laughs> kind of lifeguard. That's what I thought. I in, in rewatching this episode, I was like, I am pretty certain either there is like an episode about the 30 minute work week in the new series, or there are at least all these jobs are like referenced. And I, I did remember that Wembley is like a firefighter in the new series. And so, yeah, it's kind of mentioned offhandedly. Like he, he looks fondly at his uh, firefighter's helmet. Okay. Hmm. Nice. Ties, ties to the new series. Um, would love to hear Beth would love to hear what about this episode you were excited to rewatch and Julia I'd love to hear what about this episode that you were pleasantly surprised because you'd forgotten since you saw it last time I mean again I, I mentioned like I did watch this episode like last 
year, I think. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think that it was last year. So this one is a little bit of a cheat because I have watched it in less than 10 years. Um, but, you know, it'd been a second. I have a terrible ADHD memory, so I did forget, like, elements of it. Um, you know, there's definitely, like, elements of this episode that have stuck with me with, like, in terms of remembering that, you know, some of the jobs that they have and the the way work is for the Fraggles. Um, honestly, the thing that comes to mind, like, is just, I don't know, the, the Gorgs and their who's on first is just super delightful to me, their little bit. And hmm. I don't know. I, I like seeing also, because I don't think this is always the case, but when, like, the stuff happening with, like, Doc and Sprocket and also Matt ties in with the the story at hand, it, it does often tie in, but sometimes it feels a little disjointed, and I don't know, I like it when it feels, like, very copacetic, and it all, like, I don't know, melds really nicely together. Excellent use of the word copacetic. Yes. Heck yeah. <laughs> Beth? Yeah, I, I rewatched this one fairly recently for the recap article, and honestly, I still think it's one of my favorites. Even looking at the series as a whole, I just love the concept of a 30-minute work week and a society where everyone's basic needs are met and everyone contributes to the community's well-being while doing work that they also find enjoyable and same i deeply identify with wembley's inability to make a decision same and just his profound joy at realizing that the fun decision can be the right decision that the the right answer really was just that easy and that fun hmm yeah it is it is really sweet is there anything else we want to touch on for this episode or should we head on to the outro so i know that i know that sprocket is going to be the the put upon character for mm-hmm. much of his existence but oh man with sprocket still stuck in decision fatigue not only like he he couldn't choose between the two donuts but now it's dinner time and now he has to choose between soups and he still can't make a decision and we just end there mm-hmm. poor guy i was just like what just eat both donuts just that's the answer. You know, you're a dog. Just run out the doggy door and just, like, mm-hmm. eat them before <laughs> Doc can get to you. You are faster than he is. That is true. <laughs> Alrighty. How can we make the world a little fragglier? Smash capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take my answer. Come on. <laughs> um, The right answer can be the fun answer. Ooh, that's a good one. Julia? Beth kind of took mine. I was going to say sometimes (laughs) sometimes choose choose the fun option. You know, it's not always applicable. Sometimes you got to do the boring, logical thing. But when you can, you know, there's nothing wrong with, I don't know, choosing fun, choosing something that you actually enjoy and brings you a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the reminder that I have. I still have to do my taxes. Oh, man. We didn't record last weekend because that's what I was doing last Saturday. I have to I have to go visit the Social Security office because they have my birthday wrong. And so I can't Ugh. file online until they fix my birthday. Uh, it's a whole uh. thing. Anyways, you can make the world a little fragglier by joining a union, engaging in a general strike, and everybody striking until we get a 30-minute 30 30 work week. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. 
Oh, well, okay. I apparently stole both of yours, so now I got to come up with a third one. <laughs> well, mine was specific enough. That's fine. No, okay, mine was then. different. Mine, yours was the general goal, and mine was the specific steps for how to get to that goal. I think we're good. Perfect. And that was like the in-between. Exactly. Aw. All right. That is it for this episode. Thanks for listening, folks. If you want to find us on social media, I am at Beth Anna Cook. I am at Geek Girl Grown Up on Instagram. I was going to say on Twitter. You don't need to follow me on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a new website that's just juliagaskell.com where I uh, promote poetry that I write because that's the other thing that I do that's super niche. You're... Yeah, go buy her book. It's awesome. You continue to be super cool. Um, I do not have an online presence. Do not perceive me. Do not look at me. <laughs> However, I will soon because I'm going to be recording my EP with a producer friend of mine, and I'm really excited about that. Heck yeah! Yay! So once that's there, I'll start plugging it. But for now, do not perceive me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time down at Fraggle Talk. Don't forget to dance your cares away. Down at Fraggle Talk. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, there it is. Fraggle Talk Classic is brought to you by ToughPigs.com. Fraggle Talk Art by Dave Hultine Jr. The Fraggle Rock mark and logo, characters, and elements are trademarks of the Jim Henson Company. All rights reserved. The Fraggle Rock theme song, written by Philip Balsam and Dennis Lee, is used with permission. Special thanks to the Jim Henson Company and the entire Fraggle Rock family. For more from Tough Pigs, please find us at Tough Pigs on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, TeePublic, and Patreon. Fraggle Talk Classic is produced and edited by me, Beth Cook. Thank you to Joe Hennis, the Tough Pigs Muppet Fan Podcast Executive Producer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Down at Fraggle Talk. So I'm not going to give all the details because it, it would contain not spoilers if you've seen Raggle, Fraggle, Raggle Rock, Raggle Frock. <laughs>